It's that time of the day again. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm not a fan. I'm going to take a drink. Ugh. I knew from the can I was not going to be a fan. I don't. Oh, well. It's all right. The aftertaste is okay. It's It's interesting. It's very complex. So our good friend got us this beer. He got us a couple because he was like, you guys pick some pretty shitty beer. Allow me. So he got us the pumpkin pie one last week. (laughs) And then this one. um, But it's from Proper Brewing Co. And it's called Whispers of the Primordial Sea. So it's a a smoked Hellas lager with pineapple. Smoky pineapple beer. You can really taste the pineapple at the end, but well, to a small degree. I don't think I'd ever actually buy this, though. Yeah. It's like that aftertaste after you take a bite out of a pineapple pizza. That's what it tastes like. First of all, I don't like pineapple pizza. And anyone who does, I know they're fighting words, but you're wrong completely. But no, pineapple does not belong on pizza. And I, I'm, I don't know. Unpopular. I don't like pineapple. I really don't. And when we were in Hawaii, like, they're like, dude, it's literally this is where pineapple comes from. You got to try it. And like, it was the least shitty pineapple I've had. I mean, but I still don't like pineapple. It's okay. I don't love it. You know, so but I've I've seen this beer in stores, and I've been like, you know what? There's a because it's it's a cool can, right? It's like a skull with a pineapple in it, with a bunch of spears sticking out of the ground. Like it looks cool, but like the pineapple was okay. just deterring me. So you're saying that you have strong opinions of pineapple pizza, but if you had no choice but to eat a pineapple pizza, would you pick the pineapple off the pizza? Yeah, really? I've I feel like there's like residual pineapple flavor. I wouldn't. No, I mean, I wouldn't like go out of my way to order a pineapple pizza. But if someone presented with to me a pineapple pizza, I would eat it. So some guy walks down the sidewalk and is like, "Dude, pulls I, it out of his it's pocket. your day. Yeah, you go, buddy. out of his pocket, entire double stuffed crust pizza with pineapple like a and ham sticking out of it. Yeah." And you're like, shit, hell yeah, I'm going to take that. And Put I'll some eat everything. pineapple juice in the crust for you. <laughs> and you're not going to pick it off. You're just going to eat it. No, not in that circumstance. Fuck off. <laughs> well, you, okay, you're the one who's like, I'm saying gave in, it a, in a traditional office setting where you know, uh, there's some professionalism so and trust behind okay. the situation. I don't know. I don't <laughs> trust a lot of the office setting foods that come in. I, don't, I haven't seen your kitchen. Uh, I don't know if you've got cat shit flying around your kitchen. Maybe. You never know. I don't know. I have a 10 cat. I've seen some Tupperware that enters the office that's questionable yeah, at with best. guacamole, you don't clean that out quick. It, it starts to nasty. breathe. You just tuck it under your desk for a couple weeks. You know, I was actually reading a Reddit thread. It was, uh, it was actually yesterday. And um, it, the title of it was, um, what's the craziest thing you've seen in an office setting? Uh-oh. And I was reading through it. I can show you it if you want. But someone said that they saw a disgruntled employee throw a live fish in a microwave and put it on for 50 minutes. A live fish. Yeah, and then they were like, I never saw the guy in the office again. And the response was, Jesus fucking Christ. 50 minutes? Yeah. Did they let it play out for 50 minutes? They said they left the break room. Yeah, but like if someone saw him do that, I'm sure he wouldn't stop the microwave. Well, no, only if you pay him enough to care. In America, that's not always 15, in every office. Fifty minutes. I wouldn't do it. I'd just laugh and I'd walk away. What kind of fish? I don't know. Full fledged Alaskan say, salmon. It say. That's There's, literally all it said. I need details of my boast. stories. We'll go on the details. Reddit and, and reply and say, 
What type of fish? If I went to this Reddit and replied, I imagine a large doubt. fish, a trout, a rainbow trout, but you know, could have been a goldfish. If I, I asked the question, know. I doubt I'm getting a reply. You I probably wrote really this bad three years ago. Fish. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, I forget you, the guy. How are you getting back at your office by just microwaving? I mean, the smell. I mean, imagine the smell. But that fish. Fifty minutes <laughs> nuked the bejesus <laughs> out of that. Imagine thing. the next guy, like an hour down the road, like in the next lunch break, opens up. The you can't use that microwave and again. Just blood <laughs> Dude, you can't use that. No matter how hot, no matter how many times you clean that, you cannot use that microwave again. That's done. That has to go. Some eyeballs in there. You have to shit. go put it in the back alleyway. Dude. Like, there's no way the thing would explode. <laughs> that would stink so bad. That's how you'd get back at it. The whole oh building my. would have to be freaking. That's <laughs> not even. You're, whoever that is, you're a monster, a piece of shit, a stain on humanity. That if aliens saw us, they would probably exterminate us. They would just few, turn right back around. Weeks. But welcome to the abyss, everybody. These are conversations that matter in your life. Tell us about a disgruntled employee you've seen in your work. What did they put in the microwave? Um, Bakleet, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, and I might have asked this before on a, on a prior episode, but uh, it kind of fits with the theme of what I was going for this week. What happens when you die? Like, after you die. Like, honestly, what do you think happens when you die? Well, it could just be an eternal black screen where you can't play, like, the end of a shitty video game. It could be a sandbox mode where you can just relive your life and do stupid things. You could just get reborn into another life, and every person you've interacted with is just a sooner version or a future version of you. Huh. And then you realize, like, you're just a really shitty person, and that's why the world is the way it is. Like, you are the person responsible. Or you're born into the fish that gets thrown in a microwave for 50 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that would be but an what extension you... of being every human and animal, I suppose. Yeah, but what, what do you think? Like, what's your subscription to what happens? I like the idea that you have to relive different lives. You and have to. You literally are the... Epitome of what's wrong of the universe. <laughs> you are the epitome. And you're of what's just like, wrong. man, I really fucked up, didn't I? Ugh. Are Every- you re- are you reliving? Or are you just like you're put back? You're put back into life that you can do other things with. And do you have recollection of what happened before? Well, of course you don't. You don't have it right now. This could be your first. What no. if this is a first? No, it's not. There's no way. So what did you do in a past life where you can't read? You can't. You can't read. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. We had a we had a viewer say that I couldn't read well, which was really rude. Said I needed a remedial uh, reading class. But what they don't know, they said remedial is, reading class is when I'm reading a Reddit thread. The grammar's pretty fucking off. The so grammar's I'm trying bad. to do it in real time. After a hard day's work and having to go read on a podcast on a screen where you can barely see the the uh, the font behind it, you know? You have that thing blown up to like 200. You guys don't understand how difficult it is, okay? Okay? <laughs> just read don't a, understand. Just, just read a Reddit thread. It, the grammar is goddamn repulsive. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty rough. Okay, so the reason I ask about like what happens after you're dead is because I've been on kind of a fun AI kick lately, and so I was like, I'm going to ask AI what happens when you die. Death is a complex and deeply philosophical topic that has been contemplated by humanity for centuries. It generally refers to the cessation of life and the permanent end of biological functions. While death is a universal part of the life cycle, its exact nature and implications have been a subject of various interpretations and beliefs across different cultures, religions, and philosophies. Physically, death occurs when the vital processes of the body cease to function, including brain activity, heartbeat, and breathing. Medically, death is usually determined by the absence of those vital signs. 
However, death is not a singular event, but a process that can occur gradually or suddenly. Beyond the physical realm, death has profound emotional and existential implications, and often raises questions about the nature of consciousness, the afterlife, and the meaning of life. Different belief systems offer diverse perspectives on these matters, ranging from ideas of reincarnation and heaven to concepts of eternal rest or non-existence. While death is a natural part of the human experience, it is often accompanied by grief, loss, and a profound sense of finality. It also serves as a reminder of the importance of cherishing and living a meaningful life. But it doesn't say what happens after. All I, was I know. Too, it was too afraid to say there's nothing. So I thought it would be kind of interesting, because I always ask my question, like, I wonder what some of the craziest, like, most mysterious deaths are that happened in life. And so I went on a kick of researching some of the craziest deaths, and so that's what I'm going to be talking a about. A thousand ways to die. And I, I just pulled up interesting stories from the internet that we wouldn't necessarily be able to fit in a themed episode. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll start with a couple, and then I'll pass them to you, and we'll just kind of ping pong back and forth, talking about some crazy shit. So I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's uh, Hoao, or Hao. It's J-O-A-O, so Hao. I'm going to say Hao. How Maria de Souza was tragically killed in a disturbing incident that occurred on April 5th, 2013 in Caratinga, Brazil. It was an unexpected and unusual event that took place within the confines of his own home. At the time, How Maria de Souza was sleeping peacefully in his bed alongside his wife, Lenny, when suddenly the unimaginable happened. The couple's peaceful slumber was abruptly interrupted by a loud crashing noise from above, as they lay in bed, a neighboring cow had somehow managed to gain access to their rooftop. Oh, wow. A cow. Ooh. A fucking cow fucking jumps on the roof, right? In a horrifying turn of events, the weight of the cow caused the ceiling to give way, crashing down upon Hal Maria de Souza. The impact of the falling debris was fatal, leading to immediate and tragic loss of life for Hal Maria de Souza. Holy cow. Yeah, so the unusual circumstances surrounding how Maria de Souza's death shocked the local community and drew international attention. A mixture of disbelief and sorrow spread through Caratinga as people attempted to comprehend the bizarre sequence of events that had unfolded. Like, could you imagine being the one who shows up to investigate? Like, you just hear some screaming and some crashing, and you're like, okay, you show up on the scene, you're, there's, a, there's a cow on the bed with two people underneath. And the cow fell through the fucking ceiling. How do you explain that? Imagine if they had like a million dollar policy on that person and the insert the insurance adjuster is like, there's no fucking way. Like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Like the day after he signed it. And he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we paid triple on cow deaths. It was in the fucking disclosure. Dude, cow deaths are accumulating this time of year. Yeah, how does a cow get on the ceiling? Like, I just imagine, like, maybe the house was, like, or next a to a hill yeah. or something, mm -hmm. and the cow's like, oh, that's a good idea. Got out of the fence and was like, oh, I'm just going to take a shit right here. Yeah, remember that the next time you drink some chocolate milk. Drink chocolate milk while eating a burger and wearing a leather coat. I think we should all go out and eat a burger as revenge. Okay, so this is about a guy named Frank Hayes. This one's wild. Frank Hayes was a jockey who tragically died during a horse race in 1923 It happened at Belmont Park Racetrack in New York. On June 4, 1923, Frank Hayes was riding a horse named Sweet Kiss in the fifth race of the day. During the race, something unexpected occurred. 
Frank Hayes suffered a heart attack. Despite his medical emergency, he remained in the saddle, and his lifeless body held on as the horse continued the race. Incredibly, Sweet Kiss crossed the finish line in first place, with Frank Hayes still sitting on the horse's back. And as a result, Frank Hayes became the only known jockey in history to win a race posthumously. I'm hoping the only one to win a race posthumously. Not just the first, but the only. That guy's dedicated. The cause of death was determined to be heart failure. The race officials in the crowd were initially unaware of the tragedy that had occurred. It was only when Sweet Kiss slowed down, veering off the track, that it became clear something was completely wrong. The horse's unusual behavior drew attention, and when the jockey was examined, it was discovered that Frank Hayes had passed away in the middle of the race. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, you, I don't think you'd notice someone who's on a horse having a heart attack, unless they like went slump. But like in the middle of a race, someone has a heart attack, and they're all cheering, like, yeah, and he wins first place. And they're like, woohoo, yeah, and you're cheering for a dead guy. Are time. you great? What does it feel like? He just falls. And yeah, right. the horses are going off. They're like, what? Then is your weird. heart pounding right now? No, his heart no, dead. exploded. Dead. Heart failure. Straight up dead. Let's go to you, Cleet. I drink some more pineapple smoky juice. All right, this story is called The Lamp. My last semester at a certain college, I was assaulted by a football player for walking where he was trying to drive. How dare he? Note, he was 325 pounds and I was 120. While unconscious on the ground, I lived a different life. I lived a different life. You can't read. I know, it's bad. I met a wonderful young lady. She made my heart skip and my face red. I pursued her for months and dispatched a few jerk boyfriends before I finally won her over. After two years, we got married, and almost immediately, she bore me a daughter. So I'm confused. So is he imagining all this? Hang on. I had a great job, and my wife didn't have to work outside of the house. When my daughter was two, she, my wife, bore me a son. My son was the joy of my life. I would walk into his room every morning before I left for work and doted on him and my daughter. One day, while sitting on the couch, I noticed that the perspective of the lamp was odd, like inverted. It was still in 3D, but just wrong. It was a square lamp base, red with gold trim on four legs, and a white square shade. I was transfixed. I couldn't look away from it. I stayed up all night staring at it. The next morning, I didn't go to work. Something was just not right about that lamp. I started something really fucked up about this lamp. It was a lava lamp. (laughs) I stopped eating. I left the couch only to use the bathroom at first. Soon I stopped that too, as I wasn't eating or drinking. I stared at the fucking lamp for three days before my wife got really worried. She had someone come. (laughs) Honey, you've been staring at that lamp for three days straight. (laughs) You haven't even got up to poop. (laughs) Are you okay? You're tearing a family apart by staring at the lamp. What's up with you and that lamp? It was the leg lamp from A Christmas Story. I mean, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to stay with this one. I really am. Anyways, and try to talk to me. By this time, my cognizance was breaking up, and my wife was freaking out. She took the kids to her mother's house just before I had my epiphany. The lamp is not real. Oh Jesus! The house is not real. My wife, my kids, none of that is real. The last ten years of my life are not fucking real. Was this M Night Shyamalan? The lamp started to grow wider and deeper. 
it was still inverted dimensions. It took up my entire perspective, and all I could see was red. I heard voices, screams, all kinds of weird noises, and I became aware of pain. A fucking shit ton of pain. The first words I said were, I'm missing teeth, and opened my eyes. I was laying on my back on the sidewalk, surrounded by people that I didn't know. Lots were freaking out. I was completely confused. At some point, a cop scooped me up, dragged, walked me across the sidewalk and grass, and threw me face down in the back of a cop car. I was still confused. I was taken to the hospital by the cop. Seems he didn't want to wait for the ambulance to arrive and give CT scans and shit. I went through about three years of horrid depression. I was grieving the loss of my wife and children and dealing with the knowledge that they never existed. I was scared that I was going insane as I would cry myself to sleep hoping I would see her in my dreams. I never have, but sometimes I see my son, usually just a glimpse out of the peripheral vision. He was perpetually five years old, and I can never hear what he says. That's it. God. You're welcome. (laughs) So he was thrown on the ground, got a concussion, and lived a whole other life? Ten years. Ten years of of a life. Of a life that wasn't real. In which he made bonds. All in a matter of just a few seconds. Yeah. The next one is, have you seen this man? In January 2006 in New York, the patient of a well-known psychiatrist draws the face of a man that has been repeatedly appearing in her dreams. In more than one occasion, that man has given her advice on her private life. The woman swears she has never met the man in her life. That portrait lies forgotten in the psychiatrist's desk for a few days until one day another patient recognizes that face and says that that man has often visited him in his dreams. He also claims he has never seen that man in his waking life. The psychiatrist decides to send the portrait to some of his colleagues that have patients with recurrent dreams. Within a few months, four patients recognize the man as a frequent presence in their own dreams. All the patients refer to him as this man. From January 2006 until today, at least 2,000 people have claimed to have seen this man in their dreams. In many cities all over the world, Los Angeles, Berlin, San Paulo, Tehran, Beijing, Rome, Barcelona, Stockholm, Paris, New Delhi, Moscow, etc. At the moment, there is no ascertained relation or common trait among the people that have dreamed of seeing this man. Moreover, No living man has ever been recognized as resembling the man of the portrait by the people who have seen this man in their dreams. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. So, like, it's it's a widespread picture? Yeah, I'll show you. It'll be on YouTube. There you go. Oh, okay. Okay, so back to some crazy deaths. This is about David Douglas, botanist. He met a tragic end in 1834. He was born on June 25, 1799, in Scotland, and became renowned for his botanical explorations in North America. Douglas was particularly interested in collecting and studying plants, and he made significant contributions to the field of botany. In 1833, Douglas left on his fourth and final expedition, this time to the Pacific Northwest of North America. During his time there, he extensively explored regions that are now part of Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. Unfortunately, on July 12, 1834, Douglas was found dead in a pit trap in the Hawaiian island of Mauna Kea. The circumstances surrounding his death remain unclear. It's believed that he either fell into the pit while trying to collect plants, 
or was accidentally pushed in by a wild bull. The exact cause of his death is a subject of speculation, but it's widely accepted that it was an unfortunate accident. And I guess there's some um, theorists that believe, like this thing goes pretty deep, that like there was a bull that was like pursuing him through the island and like knocked him in and trampled him into the pit. Jesus. It's like an angry fucking cow. What a bully. David Douglas's legacy lives on through the many plant species that bear his name, such as the Douglas fir and the Douglas maple, trees and plants you've probably heard of. I, this sounds familiar. Gary Hoy's death remains an intriguing and tragic event that unfolded on July 9th, 1993 in Toronto, Canada. An accomplished lawyer known for his enthusiasm and charismatic nature, Hoy was fond of showcasing the strength of the windows in his office building located on the 24th floor. I've heard of this one. I know where it's going. On that fateful day, Hoy embarked on yet another demonstration aiming to impress a group of articling students with the seemingly unyielding solidity of the glass panels. In a rather unconventional fashion, he would hurl himself against the windows, confidently convinced that they would withstand the impact. Like, can you imagine in 24th floor and this guy's like, check out how strong these windows are! And he just throws himself against it over and over again. From, from what I've read, he would just be talking to him and then he would just run full sprint yeah. into a window. He would literally run and jump into the windows and like, these things are fucking strong! Well, they were shatterproof windows. Nothing can happen! However, what should have been a routine exhibition took an unexpected turn. As Hoy launched himself towards the window, possibly propelled by his unwavering belief in the formidable strength of the glass, tragedy struck. Instead of withstanding the force, the window inexplicably dislodged from its frame, momentarily defying logic and defying Hoy's expectations. It's a shatterproof window, but they didn't install it right. The whole thing just boom, popped right out. In an instant, gravity took hold of him, hurling him through the sudden void that had materialized where the window once stood, propelling him into a harrowing freefall where his life irrevocably intersected with gravity's relentless pull. Can you imagine being the interns that were like the people to see that happen? <laughs> Just see that actually happen? He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run. I'm going to jump. And then he like hits the window and, and like gone. kills himself. And, and they're like, wait, wait, should I not be a lawyer? The impact of Gary Hoy's fall would eventually claim his life, obviously. 24 floors of falling, etching his demise into the annals of unusual deaths that permeate history. This one's called The Toxic Lady. The Toxic Lady, also known as Gloria Ramirez, experienced a mysterious and controversial demise that left investigators puzzled. On February 19th, 1994, Gloria was admitted to a California hospital due to severe illness. During her treatment, medical staff encountered an unusual odor, described as garlic-like, emanating from her body. She was just trying to fend off all those vampires. Yeah, dumb vamps. Curiously, they noticed that her blood had a strange, oily appearance. As medical personnel rushed to stabilize her, some began experiencing alarming symptoms, such as fainting, shortness of breath, and muscle spasms. Concerned about a potential chemical spill, the hospital evacuated patients and called hazmat teams. Despite the efforts to revive her, Gloria sadly passed away later that evening. An exhaustive investigation followed, seeking answers regarding the cause of her death and the mysterious chemical reaction unfolding within her body. Theories ranged from an accidental overdose of medication to a potentially rare metabolic disorder. Some speculated that her body may have been exposed to dimethyl sulfoxide, or DMSO, a chemical she reportedly used as a pain reliever leading to a toxic reaction. 
However, none of these theories provided a definitive explanation. The case of the toxic lady remains shrouded in mystery, leaving more questions than answers. Scientists and medical professionals continue to this day studying her case, hoping to unravel the truth behind this perplexing and tragic incident. It's like the guy we talked about, I think you talked about him, who like got like a severely lethal dose of radiation and like his insides like were oily and liquefied and like what a he nasty just, episode. Yeah. I don't know, it just sounds like radiation. Maybe. Or maybe she just ate a lot of garlic. This is a story of O.M. In high school, I had a good friend named Steve. One day, freshman year 2007-ish, he told my group of friends about an odd turn of events that happened to his brother Tim a couple years prior. Tim went to college somewhere in New Hampshire. One night, around 2 a.m., Tim and his good friend decided they needed Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, what else do you do at 2 a.m.? Get some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> at 4.20, they needed some donuts. Even actually, it's actually a Beto's breakfast burrito oh, at 2 a.m. It's just good. a big old Dunkin loaded shit. breakfast burrito yeah. after so many drinks. Even though the nearest Dunkin' Donuts was across state lines. It's like their own little White Castle. I don't know how much about New Hampshire's geography, but I'm told this trek involved going through a narrow highway that takes them through some woods. On the way back from Dunkin' Donuts, a mysterious car pulled in front of them on the highway. It was a red, compact car with the markings scratched off, and its only defining feature was its license plate that had a black O and a green M, who will henceforth be known just as O.M. Ozymandias, <laughs> the destroyer of worlds. Around this time, Tim describes weird coincidences happening, like his phone losing service and the jazz station playing Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, but, a little bit of Nirvana, huh? But I'll admit it, those could have just been weird coincidences. At this time, Tim and his friends were sensing some bad juju from this guy, so Tim let his foot off the gas and was happy to just let O.M. go off on his way. But O.M. wasn't done with them. As soon as Tim slowed down, O.M. did the same. Tim thought... This was weird, but maybe if he floors it, he could get around O.M. But when Tim sped up, so did O.M. Tim and co. were freaking out at this point and had no idea what they were dealing with, but they saw a curve in the road up ahead. They saw O.M. go around it, and they decided to just stop. Their adrenaline was pumping, and they weren't sure how long they sat there, but after what felt like 20 minutes, they worked up the courage to continue on their way. Maybe O.M. would have mercy on them, but as soon as they got around the corner, O.M. was there, the exact same distance as they last saw him, matching their speed. O.M. clearly was without mercy. Tim and his friend were rightfully scared for their lives and relented to just going forward and hoping that they could get out of this alive. Eventually, there was a fork in the highway. Not a spoon. One led towards the college town, while the other led further into the woods. Our heroes went home while O.M. ventured Our into heroes. the unknown. Jesus Christ. Tim never saw O.M. again. Epilogue 1. So, I was told this story my freshman year and was convinced it didn't happen. And even my buddy Steve wasn't exactly sure of its veracity. 
but around 2008 to 2009, I was listening to the local talk radio station while doing homework and heard a news bulletin. My buddy Steve just sounds like a typical college friend. This is my buddy Steve. We had a rager. Scuba Steve, damn you! There was a murder in a neighboring county the previous night, and the sole witness saw a car leaving the scene of the crime. She described it as a red compact car with a license plate that had a black O and a green M. I nearly shit myself. I'm in a suburban Orange County, California. What the fuck is OM doing all the way over here? Maybe I was just hearing things. I ran into Steve the next day at school and he heard the same report. We learned two things. One, neither of us were crazy and two, that OM was fucking real. Epilogue 2. This previous May, my friend Blake was on his way home from dropping off his girlfriend around 2 a.m. For some reason, he decided to take the highway that leads through a canyon home. While driving along, a car pulls in front of him. It's a red compact car with license plate that has a black O and a green M. Blake was familiar with the stories and became rightfully scared and fell as far behind OM as OM let him. When they reached near the end of the canyon, OM did a U-turn and went back while Blake continued home to change his pants and sleep because he shit himself. Yeah. Okay. And this is where someone responds to this Reddit thread from Ravetti. True story. My sighting was in Southern California in San Dimas, Covina area, off 57 freeway between the 10 and the 210. I got a call from a friend in the middle of the night for an emergency hospital trip, and I got my ass up around 2-ish and headed out. I live in a nice area and off of a tiny side street in the hills. Then this red compact car pulls out in front of me, taking up enough space so I couldn't get around and driving ridiculously slow. I assumed whoever was driving was drunk, and I called the police to report a drunk driver in the area. I remember it was an OM because I told the officer on the phone and she made me repeat it again. Thought I was crazy or drunk for not having anything but a partial plate when I was telling her that those were the only letters. I remember nothing of it. Finally pass the car, get on the 57 freeway headed north, and this motherfucker comes from nowhere and passes me in the emergency lane exiting the freeway. One exit past where I entered. This motherfucker. Never saw them again. And so if you ever see an OM on the freeway, pray to Jeebus. Black O, green M, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is about Terry Vance Garner. Terry Vance Garner's death was a shocking and tragic event that occurred in the town of Coquil, Oregon. On a fateful day, Terry, a farmer in his mid-60s, went to feed his animals on his farm. Little did he know that this routine task would end in a horrifying and mysterious incident. According to reports, Terry entered his pig enclosure, which housed several large and aggressive pigs. For reasons still unclear, these pigs turned on him, launching a vicious and deadly attack. The details of the incident remain gruesome and unsettling, as it was discovered that Terry's body was devoured by these ravenous animals, leaving little behind but bone fragments and remains of his clothing. And remnants of his clothing. You know, they, they do say, if you need to get rid of a body, find some pigs. They will eat anything. That's what I do. The investigation surrounding Terry Vance Garner's death prompted a wave of speculation and raised haunting questions about the nature of the incident. 
Authorities delved into several possibilities, including the question of whether the pigs had acted alone or if there were other factors involved in Terry's demise. Various theories emerged, ranging from the suggestion that Terry may have suffered a medical emergency or fallen into the enclosure, to more sinister notions that foul play might have been involved. Nonetheless, after extensive examination and analysis, authorities ruled out foul play and concluded that the pigs were responsible for Terry's death. So this is about William Wallace. After his capture by English forces in 1305, William Wallace faced a grim fate. He was brought to London where he was subjected to a trial, accused of treason and atrocities against England. Found guilty, he was sentenced to a cruel execution method known as hanging, drawing, and quartering. Wallace was hanged by the neck almost to the point of death, then revived to face further torment. His body was then disemboweled and divided into four parts. This gruesome display was meant to quell any resistance and serve as a warning to others who dared to oppose English rule. So they also left his body parts and everything like on display for everybody. Like they quartered him, they ripped him apart, they disemboweled him, they beheaded him, and they just left his body parts right there. So that the townsfolk are just walking around as this person's body is just mutilated. They just left it there as like a, a public display of not to, you know, be shitty. Mm. The crazy thing is, it was actually he wasn't guilty. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So crazy. So I'm going to end with. Probably one of the most mysterious deaths throughout history, one that remains unsolved to this day, the case of the Somerton Man, also known as the Tamam Shud case. This peculiar incident occurred in Adelaide, Australia in 1948 and has baffled investigators ever since. The story began on the morning of December 1st, 1948, when an unidentified man was found dead, slumped against the seawall in Somerton Beach. A search of his pockets revealed no identification or personal belongings, except for an unusual scrap of paper with the words Tamam Shud printed on it, meaning ended or finished in Persian. Tamanasha. This scrap of paper led investigators to a hidden pocket sewn within his trousers, containing a tightly rolled piece of paper with the words Tamam Shud torn out of a book. Months later, a copy of the book from which the words had been torn was discovered in the backseat of a parked car at a nearby beach. Inside the book, a secret code was found. The code, consisting of seemingly random letters, has never been deciphered, despite the efforts of countless cryptographers. Little information about the man's identity or cause of death could be determined. His fingerprints did not match any known records, and the labels had been removed from all of his clothing. The autopsy conducted revealed an enlargement of his spleen, which some speculated could have been caused by poisoning, but no toxic substances were found in his system. Various theories emerged, including espionage, a secret love affair gone wrong, or even an alien encounter. It was the aliens. Always the aliens. However, none of these speculations have been proven, and the identity of the Somerton Man remains a mystery. The case has captured the imagination of many, leading to numerous books, documentaries, and ongoing discussions among true crime enthusiasts and amateur detectives alike. So, they have no idea who he is or what happened. Just a man found in Australia on a beach. Damn. Which is crazy. Like, all the labels from his clothes are removed. Has, like, this random sewn pocket in his trousers. It's just weird. A hidden pocket. Fucking weird. And the last story we'll be talking about is called The Woman in the Oven. 
Oh, that's a great title. Yeah. Good way to end a uh, fucking podcast episode. This story seems to date back to at least 2008. At least. Unfo- so far back. Unfortunately, the name of the original author is lost in the ether. Pity. Someone that can come up with such a bizarre and disturbing story and keep the tone so under control that it stays intriguing and believable deserves more credit. In a mundane farmhouse, a woman is found burned to death in an oven. A camera is pointed at the oven, but there is no tape inside. However, a tape seemingly from the camera is discovered by a well behind the house. It shows a woman coming into the shot, setting the oven, climbing inside, and then closing the door after her. After some time, violent banging and shrieking happens inside the oven, and smoke begins to emerge. But analysis of the woman in the video and the woman discovered in the oven concludes that they are not the same person. Based on height and stature, cremating a human takes 2 to 3 hours at 312 degrees Celsius or 593 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it can be reasonably assumed that a commercial stove would leave her sufficiently intact for such analysis. How any of this came to be is left for the readers to attempt to imagine their nightmares. That's it. Some some gouges jump in the oven. Okay, what a downer. Yeah, that's quite the, quite the way to end uh, a show with quite a woman the jumping bo- into an oven. Okay, well, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Thanks for joining us while we talk about crazy deaths. Huge shout out to our nine paid supporters of the show. Claytor, Lord of Soup, Curtis and Lara, Jackson, Lara, Modelo Time, Mothman, Devin, Conklin Family, and Lou. The continued support of the show is fantastic. Thanks for all the support. Again, we're getting very, very close to video on the show in which we get to traverse all the way to Nevada to the Clown Motel and the surrounding graveyard. But we don't get unlimited beer because that only lasts until October 31st. So we're past that. So, Cleet, where are we at for YouTube? 410 subs, so 90 away. So if you're listening to us on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe as it really helps us get us out there. And as always, thank you for entering the abyss. Until next time.